Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. We are your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I still need an exasperated W. I occasionally will throw wearying in there, but there's got to be a better one. To bust out the old thesaurus, see if I can find something. Uh, Anyway, I am Robert Winfrey. It is currently Sunday, November 17th. And I hope you're all having a good Whatever time you happen to be listening to this. On the agenda for this evening, we'll be talking about yesterday's event, UFC on ESPN Plus 22. Ugh. You know, I kind of went to bat for that event. I said, you know, hey, there's a couple of fights on here that might be pretty good. And then, in all fairness, at least two of the ones that I said might be pretty good are, like, highlights of the overall event. But, oh, man. What a, what a dull event. That main event is probably one of the three worst main events of the year, off the top of my head. Anyway, we'll get into that. Also, whatever news that came out over the last week, relatively, I mean, there were a few things that made some noise, but there's not a tremendous volume of news to talk about, so we'll get into that. And uh, that'll pretty much be it. Uh, We're going to be, there will not be a show like this next week, because the UFC is taking a couple of weeks off. Their next event is you is their uh, return to the D.C. area, the Washington, D.C. area, on the 7th of December. So we'll be back for this show on the 1st, but next Sunday I'll have... I'll, I'll save that for the end of the show. I'll make you guys stick around and tell you what I've got kind of planned for that. But I will. there is something that will be released on this channel, MMA-related, that I hope you'll all enjoy, but... Again, I'll save that for later. Here with me, per usual, is my regular partner in crime. 411 Mania's jack-of-all-trades, Jeffrey Harris, is still alive and kicking, despite the fact that his poor Houston Astros are about to be fined, sued, and suspended into oblivion. Fake How news. Just... Fake news. Fake news. Second of all, thank you, MMA fans, for joining us as we take a trip deeper into the unknown. Alrighty. Well, it is sour grapes, by the way, for teams that aren't <laughs> as good as us. I want proof that none of the other teams are doing are uh, the. If you're gonna take, if you're gonna, if you're gonna suspend the Astros, suspend the Boston Red Sox. I'd be okay with that. I don't have a dog in the hunt, but were the Boston Red Sox not accused of doing the same thing and nothing, nothing. I don't know. I don't follow it enough. I just know that's a thing that happened. And I know you're a big Astros fan, so. That's all that led to that. Fake news. All righty, let's go ahead and jump into UFC on ESPN plus 22 then. Your main event, such as it was, uh, Jan Blahovich defeated Ronaldo Jacare Souza. This was Jacare's move up to light heavyweight. Defeats him via split decision. There were 48-47s. Again, two for Blahovich, one for Jacare. Um, yeah, this fight sucked. But now, how did you see the fight? Did you think this was the correct winner? Yeah, scoring it live, I think I went four to one for Blahovich. I only gave Jacare the first. You could give him the second reasonably. I don't think that's wrong. Uh, I think the swing round wound up being the third, and then, but the fourth and fifth pretty clearly went to Blahovich. Blahovich did not earn a title shot last night. Let's just say that. He didn't better his position all that much, that's for sure. Um, you know, normally when I. This has become one of the things I try to do with bad fights. I try to find something positive to talk about just because I was unbelievably negative. And in many respects, deservedly so, I maintain, about uh, the Tyron Woodley versus Damian Maya fight, which I still maintain is essentially the worst UFC welterweight title fight ever. Now, that said, I welterweight fought. as a division. That's my takeaway from this guy's fault. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, the point being there that welterweight has had a lot of genuinely great title defenses. In fact, arguably two, two of the best title defenses in any weight class in UFC history. So there's a high bar there, but long point being, 
there was some interesting stuff that Tyron Woodley did in that fight with Maya that I thought, okay, I I should be able to find something interesting to discuss, even if it's a squibbly little detail. I don't have a whole lot here. Um, <laughs> I just don't. Blahovich had good takedown defense, as was expected. Jacare slowed down as the fight went on, as somewhat expected. While he can fight for five rounds, he's never been a cardio king. Uh, just a lot of... Just a lot of nothing happened. A lot of clinching that didn't lead to much. A lot of leg kicks. And a lot of staring. Uh, I, I don't have anything really interesting that I can say either man did, in all honesty. Um, Blahovich wins. He is in the title picture by virtue of his general standing more than anything else. And in all fairness to him, he's I think like seven and one, seven and one or six and one over yeah, his last two wins were guys making their debut at light heavyweight. They were content. The guys he fought and beat were contenders at middleweight in the past. Um, M rock called a former middleweight champion. Yes, but not, Really, by no means, light heavyweight contenders. No, the last genuine light heavyweight contender sort of contender he fought was Tiago Santos, and he got finished. Beat Krylov in Manawa uh, last year. Um, I'd say, you know, if we're talking about the title picture, I'd say the most deserving contender right now is uh, Dominic Reyes. Yeah, that that fight between Jones and Reyes is being worked on for the first pay for Feb. Sorry, not the first first pay per view, but uh, February, I think, of twenty twenty is what I saw. Um, but Blahovic, if he can be consistent, he might he can he might be in that mix very soon. We'll see. I mean, again, it's light heavyweight. All you need is a pulse and a winning record at this point, and the pulse is optional. Well. He has he has a two fight winning record, and as you pointed out, he's seven seven and one in his last day. So and again, the only loss was to Santos, who went on to fight for the belt. Yeah. So, so got he's got some things going for him. So it, this is one of those bizarre instances where if he had never taken this fight, he would have had more momentum based on the highlight real nature of his knockout over Rockhold than winning just the most uninspired dis- split decision ever. I, I shouldn't say ever. It, it wasn't, it, it wasn't an inspiring card, you know, it really wasn't. Again, there were a few good things. And again, I like to, you and I both, when we talked about this fight, this card, Last week said, okay, here, here's about three things that, you know, these might be pretty good. This is pretty decent. And I think those three things largely play, largely played out as decent. Uh, there, there wasn't too many surprises here. I wasn't expecting Jacare to get the win. I don't know if light heavyweight is his ideal weight class, but it didn't. Look, Jacare, he's almost 40. Uh, moving up in weight didn't really give him much of an advantage here, other than maybe he was more, maybe he was a little more comfortable in training camp and, you know, didn't have to starve himself as much. But it didn't look, I mean, he didn't look better at all uh, moving up, don't you think? He still looks like Jacare, which in and of itself is kind of a difficult thing. There's a lot of guys who. that sharp last night. He didn't look. He didn't look faster. He didn't look stronger by any margin. It was not a great performance. No. Some of that's the level of opposition because, again, Blahovich is, actually, is un- again, largely uninspiring, but a really, really good fighter, all things considered. Technical. He's technical. He's a... Ugh. I don't know. I just... He's also a bad... St- yeah. Just a bad style matchup for Jacare because Jacare wants to get you down, work on the ground more than anything. And Blahovich would do this this thing that's very annoying to a lot of people, myself included, where he would kind of put himself on the fence or let himself get walked back into it. But I think against Jacare, that was at least partially by design because 
Blahovich's takedown defense against the cage with that barrier there is excellent. In open space, it's not. The the presence of that barrier changes a lot of things. The number of fighters in MMA more broadly whose grappling game when they have the fence there to play with versus when they don't uh, that it, it changes the dynam- the dynamic radically. I mean, uh, Roosevelt Roberts if he gets taken down against the fence, is almost guaranteed to regain his feet within about 15 to 20 seconds. Give or, Again, approximately. Some of that varies depending by opponent, how late they are in the fight. But point being, he gets up very, very quickly if he's got the fence to use. Anytime he gets taken down in open space, the equation is, again, radically different, and he is not nearly as dynamic about regaining his feet. And I think... Blahovich in this instance used the fence and wanted to use the fence to help aid his takedown defense rather than risk being too much in open space uh, until the fight wore on a little bit. And Chakaray's never been a great double leg guy anyway. He's usually been much more of a clinch guy where he can hit reaps or transition along the fence into a takedown. And he, uh, he was able to utilize that here and just kind of nullify most of Jacare's game, but he was very hesitant. Jacare was very hesitant. It was just not a very engaging fight. Uh, but I think I think Jacare was kind of the last of the you know middleweight old guard that was moving up, and. I'm still curious to see what else he can do in this division against a different level of opposition, but a lot of the you know guys who were just sick of the weight cutters seem to think that they could come in and just kind of run over the upper-level rank and file at light heavyweight. That has not been a narrative that played out at all. So, you know, if I'm Blahovich, I stay healthy in case something happens to Reyes or John Jones for that fight because he's probably, he should probably be the first guy on deck, you know, if something happens to that fight. As much as you hate to say it. Eh, sure, Corey Anderson exists, that's true. So, yeah, one of those two is probably... Um. Is, is probably the next guy up if something happens to Reyes or Jones. If you wanted to do a short notice thing. The Disney 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is a really good movie. Even if Nemo is pot, I mean, I guess arguably not, not the best, most racially sensitive casting for its time, but it is a good performance. But Classic movie, I think. Dude, that whole movie is justified just by that per- by that uh, performance by Kirk Douglas, uh, that little uh, sea shanty he sings on the on the boat. Kirk Douglas is fantastic in this movie. You know, they don't make him like Kirk Douglas anymore, Robert. They don't, and it's kind of a shame. All right, uh, moving on. We are in the co-main event, also in the light heavyweight division. Mauricio Shogun Hua and Paul Craig went to a split draw. In all honesty, Shogun's lucky to get that. Um, scores were a 29-28 for each man and then a 28-28 draw. I'm more on board with a 28-28 draw than I am 29-28 for Shogun. I think you can give Shogun the third round, which is kind of the swing round. Craig dominates the first round enough that I gave him a 10-8 and one of the judges did. And I think under the new scoring criteria, which is the criteria being used last night, that is the correct score for round one. Craig dominates and wins by a more than wide enough mar- by a wide enough margin to warrant that from where I was sitting. Shogun gets the second. A lot of top control, some decent ground and pound in places. Second round for Shogun. Third round, Shogun spends a lot of it on top, but does nothing. Gets hit several times on the feet, gets taken down into side control, and then worked over a little bit as the round ended. So the third round becomes the swing round. Uh, I have no issues with the draw, in all honesty. Uh, Because I think, again, you can give Shogun the third, but I 
but since I think Craig should have got a 10-8 first, then we get a the score result is a draw. Uh, D, again, a moderately engaging first round when Craig was kind of running over things, and then after that, it just slows down throughout the rest of the fight. I don't have a whole lot here. Uh, Jeff, you didn't seem too upset with the draw of the with the draw result for this fight either, did you? James Mason is really good as Captain Nemo in Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, and you can watch it right now on Disney Plus. Something else you can watch besides The Mandalorian. Shogun and Paul Craig had a fight. It was a draw. There you go. All right, our only finish of the main card, Charles Oliveira defeats Jared Gordon via punches, via knockout punches, uh, one minute and 26 seconds into the first round. Charles Oliveira, your all-time leader in submission finishes in UFC history, now the sole owner of second place for most finishes in general in UFC history at 15, only one behind Donald Cerrone at 16. Uh, this fight was a bit of a mismatch on paper. It played out like a mismatch in practice. Charles Oliveira is really, really good against... Where does Charles Oliveira, you think? Hmm? Where does this put Charles Oliveira in the, in the picture of the lightweight division? Uh, he was ranked, I believe, 13th coming into this fight. Mm-hmm. You had Gregor six, Gale- six wins in a row. You had Gillespie, who was ranked above him, lose to Lee. Or some other lightweight fight that played out recently that had a little bit of a shakeup. He's probably going to be around 10. And for the love of all that's holy, can we get this guy fighting somebody, some ranked opposition? Look, I've said this about Charles Oliveira for a while. He looks really good against guys of this level. And that's not a knock on Jared Gordon, who would smash me into a million pieces if we ever fought. But he gets yeah, on these good Give him a big fight, you know? He deserves a big fight. Like yeah, I you know, I would like to see him fight Kevin Lee. Wouldn't be terrible, but Kevin Lee, after beating Gillespie like just vanquishing Gillespie, probably he's probably going to be angling for a bigger fight next. You know what? Or, or Gillespie. What about uh, Felder or Hooker? Uh, he already fought Felder and Felder smashed him. Hooker, Hooker uh, then is would someone I, like Hooker. I mean, I wouldn't, let me be clear. I wouldn't hate the rematch with Felder. I'm more interested in seeing the Hooker fight. Uh, but yeah, give uh, him. He hasn't fought Hooker or an ally. Kinta. He hasn't fought. I can't. I don't think either. No, I don't think he has. But this guy has spent a long time kind of rebuilding himself. And in all fairness, lightweight is not a division that you can easily do that. You can you fight a lot of unknown guys at lightweight who are really good. But he has, and he's been doing a great job as of late. Like, but looking, he's looking more like the prospect we thought he was going to be ten years ago. Yeah. I think it's time we take the kid gloves off with him at this point. Let's get him in there against some of the top-level guys, and let's find out if he's actually going to make anything of this current run or not. Because, I mean, there was a time where he he was one of the more exciting prospects at lightweight, and then, you know, he had a run where he tried to be a featherweight for a while, didn't really pan out. Uh, now he's back at lightweight, and he's he's looking good. I won't say he's looking like a million bucks, but he's been looking pretty good lately. Yeah, yeah. his last few fights, he has looked solid. Uh, can I just say I found him calling out Conor McGregor hilarious? Yeah, there's no way, buddy. I mean, no I mean, way. I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows? Well, I mean, you might as well. Conor's not coming back to fight that guy. <laughs> he's just I not. Mean, I mean, he's not coming back to fight Habib or Tony Ferguson, or any of the guys he should be fighting. So, quite frankly, honestly, Robert, I don't think a, a, an Oliveira-McGregor fight would be the worst thing for either guy. It'd be a nice win for Connor, But it's also a fight with zero hype behind it. it I mean, like, like, sure, the presence of McGregor would draw, would draw a lot of attention. The reason I don't mind, I, like, the, just the idea... I like it because, I mean, I feel like 
Connor maybe shouldn't be in um, a top five fight right now because he's been away from the sport for too long. I would under on a meritocratic level, I agree with you. It's but... to me, it's not just about meritocracy. It's just that to me, it's it could be in Connor's interest as well. In some respects, it would be, but in some respects, it's also not something as he's going to do. As long as he takes the fight seriously. I mean, he's not going to come back for anything less than a main event. He's not going to come back for anything less than a pay-per-view main event. And at this point in time... Why not, just pay, why not, why not bring uh, uh, Connor back to Ireland? Because he'd lose out on money. Pay him, pay him like you would for a pay-per-view then. You mean to tell me you couldn't work something out like that? They might be able to. The question is whether or not they're willing. I, I, feel, I feel with Conor McGregor you could do that. I don't see. I don't see. Look, we, when is the last time he's not, he's not, at this rate, he's not even fighting this year, Robert. No, he's not going to fight in, in 19. So, I mean... I think it's ridiculous to put him in like a, a title level fight at this point. It's 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 falling. I'm sorry. It's not gonna lo- I'm not saying he should be in the in a title fight, but he's not going to take a run of the mill fight. And Charles Oliveira is as run of the mill as they come. Him if- fighting a top five opponent right now would be promotional malpractice. And yet, that's what they would have to do. Well, or uh, or a or the trilogy fight with Nate Diaz. Even that, I think, is a bad idea right now. I mean, I didn't like their first two fights. Diaz has been more active this year. Yeah, and and Diaz is going to sit out for probably the majority of 2020 now. And I don't begrudge him that if that's what he wants to do, fine and dandy. But I I begrudge him. I don't. I thought I thought I thought he's been fathering all these little guys for years. Eh, spiritually he has maybe, but he doesn't look, I would only begrudge him something if I felt I was owed anything. Nate doesn't owe me anything. Okay. Look, Connor's if Connor comes back, it's for the Diaz trilogy, a title shot, however profoundly unlikely. Or a fight that will get him immediately into the title picture while also being a substantial moneymaker. I think at this point, again, you have Diaz. I'm still kind of annoyed they couldn't get him and Cowboy together because I like that fight. I, I still think they should book that fight too, honestly. I, you, I mean, again, you can easily make that a very, very prominently featured fight. You could main event a non. You could main event a pay per view with that. You, I mean, you could. It's McGregor. He's he commands that kind of prestige and attention. It's a winnable fight for both guys. It's Cowboy too good. Deserve that fight just because it doesn't seem likely Cowboy's ever going to fight for the title. But to me, this is the next best thing that you could realistically book. Yeah. I like fight for the fans. Oh yeah. I mean, come on. That's a great fight to look forward to. Uh, maybe you could make, maybe the gagey fight would be another one. Yeah. But the, the options for him from a realistic standpoint for Connor are somewhat limited. And I mean, in terms of matchup, I, I would favor if I'm Connor's management, I would favor a fight like Cerrone over gagey. Oh Yeah. Me too. <laughs> like what? Like if I'm Audi Atar, I would wa- I would be I would be diligently trying to get this either the Cerrone fight or or a, or even a fight like Oliveira because they match up with Conor better. Again, there's there's too little upside to Oliveira. It's, I mean, you go in and you beat Cerrone. Well, sure, he's then, then then it's the Cerrone fight. So I don't know. I just don't know what Conor's doing or what he wants right now. Yeah, and whoever look, if we did, that would be a great thing, but we don't. Um, 
I think we can just do quick hits for the rest of this card because that was kind of the one of the greatest MMA cards of the year. Oh god, stop! <laughs> Anyone selling you that line is a company shell, for the record. Uh, all right, Andre Muniz defeated Antonio Ahorio uh, via unanimous decision, thirty twenty-seven across the boards. Meh. Wellington Terman defeated Marcus Perez via unanimous decision, thirty twenty-seven across the boards. Double meh. Uh, James Krause defeated Sergio Moraes via knockout punches, uh, 419 of the third round. Decent fight. Good showing from Krause. He was just superior technically and kind of broke Moraes down over the course of the fight. Uh, Ricardo Ramos defeated Luis Eduardo Garagori via submission, rear naked choke in the first round, 357. Um, as expected, Hamosh is has proven himself a genuine UFC caliber fighter. Garagori had a decent, if forgettable, UFC debut. Uh, Francisco Trinaldo defeated Bobby Green via unanimous decision, 30-27 and 2-29-28. Uh, awkward fight. Really awkward fight. Awkward fight to score, too. I think I scored it for Green. I can't remember off the top of my head. And Green numerically outstruck Trinaldo in the second and third rounds by pretty significant margins. Uh, you're just awkward. Uh, Randy Brown defeated Warley Alves via triangle choke in the se- uh, 122 of the second round. Nice finish for Randy Brown, who kind of got worked over a little bit in the first. Douglas Silva de Andrade defeated Henan Baralvi unanimous decision. Two 30-27s, one 30-26. Uh, the 30-26, a 10-8 in the third is... Would be appropriate. Um, Baral just doesn't seem to have it anymore. And uh, Silva de Andrade, especially as that fight wore on, just kind of kept getting to him over and over and over again. Ariane Lipsky defeated Isabella de Padua via unanimous decision, 30-26, De Padua missed weight by, like, five pounds. Uh, in fairness, she took the fight on, like, a day's notice, day and a half, maybe. Uh, yeah, she got worked by Lipsky, who continues to be largely useless off of her back. Uh, but her takedown defense isn't good enough to consistently stay vertical. Uh, if she really wants to do something in the UFC, she's got to get a handle on that. Um, uh, the 10-8s, for the record, the 10-8s there in that fight largely stemmed from an illegal upkick that Padua landed and was deducted a point for in the second round. And Tracy Cortez defeated Vanessa Mello to kick everything off. 230-27s, 129-28. Another forgettable women's bantamweight fight. I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, all right, Jeff, anything stand out to you? you? Any burning desires from that group of fights? Yeah. Pedro Pascal did an interview. And he just casually revealed the real name of The Mandalorian, the new Star Wars show on Disney+. Plus. Like, like, just casually. Like, this is like one of the one of Lucasfilm's most closely guarded secrets for the past year. And he just casually drops it without anyone even asking him in an interview. He just casually says it. Who does that? Who does that? Honestly, I would have done it. He thinks he thinks he's like Mark Ruffalo. Like, wh- uh, like, why would he do that? Like, just yeah. casually spoils his character's name. Like, oh, we're not even going to say this character's name. Oh. It's this. Well, is thanks it a, a lot for spoiling the show, Don, uh, Pedro Pascal. Is his character's name in, at any point relevant to the plot of the series? It's very relevant because it's the character's name and we don't even know the character's name yet. No, no, no. That, that's like a marketing gimmick. I mean, for, for the narrative, from a narrative standpoint, is there a big we, we mystery? Like, yes, because th- he's, this, he's this mysterious Mandalorian and we don't even know who he is or where he's from. Okay. We may not know that, but does it matter? Yes, it matters. The character's name matters because they won't say who his name. So I think is, finding is out... There a, is there a reason they won't say his name, or is it just because they don't? Um, Because they don't. Okay, then who cares if he spoils it? It doesn't actively detract from anything. It Because, because it's probably going to be a major reveal when it happens. That's why. Was it? It hasn't happened yet. That's the thing. 
so then it's, it's then it's not a relevant plot point. So who cares if it's spoiled? It's it's relevant if it's if it's an, if it's a major relevant reveal in the show, then it is relevant. Okay, if there's a second season and it becomes and they stage an entire story arc around who is around what his real identity is, then okay, I'll I'll agree to you. I'll agree with you. It might be in this season. I don't know. We're only two episodes in. We're not even halfway through the season. Oh, did they not dump all of it at once? No, it's it. No, it's uh, the Disney Plus shows they're doing on a weekly release. It's not like oh that. god, what a giant waste of time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, that would be another reason I haven't watched it. I just don't get like how he just voluntarily spoils the the character's real name, just voluntarily like that, like like he's Mark Ruffalo or something. Well, again, if it doesn't matter to the narrative, then who cares? I mean, really, if you t- Robert, you don't get this Star Wars thing, do you? I am not a Star Wars fan. That is true. Kind of like you don't get this whole Astros are innocent thing. I don't know enough to have an opinion on that. Okay. Well, now you know the Astros are innocent. I know that is what you think. That is what I know. I know my truth. Yeah, but there's not your truth. There's just the truth. Which is also my truth. No. Reality does not reshape itself to your needs. It does now. No. Sadly. Believe me, if I could make reality change to suit my needs, I would. All right, uh, that was UFC on ESPN Plus 22. So thanks to everyone who read and followed along live or read after the fact. I appreciate you guys a lot. Megan Kelly turns 49 tomorrow. Did you know that? I don't know who that is. She's a news reporter, anchor, like a TV person. Okay. Yeah. Good for her continuing to exist. So that was a UFC card. Thank you. For yeah. Joining. Yeah, it was. <laughs> That's about how interesting it was, too, guys. I apologize if our little rabbit holes. Uh, you might. What are they doing? There's just not a lot in that card to dissect. So I apologize. But hope we can always hope the next one's better. We should uh, just take the rest of this show like a Mandalorian review show. I have not seen any of it. Consequently, I have no perspective. OK, so then I would be spoiling the show for you. You're only spoiling it for me if it would somehow affect my decision to watch it or my enjoyment doing so. I have I care not at all about spoilers. Okay. I think you should watch The Mandalorian, though. I might when it's all been released. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Jumping into some news of the week. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say here, but I suppose we should... Just because it's one of those things. Uh, Nick Diaz gave a long, rambling, incoherent interview with Ariel Helwani. And let me be clear about something. When I say long, rambling, and incoherent, I'm not holding that to the standard of the average human being. I'm actually holding that to the standard of Nick Diaz. Even by his own standards, this one was rambling, borderline incoherent. And a little bit all over the place. I've never heard a coherent Nick Diaz interview. It's a somewhat rel- it's somewhat relative uh, assessment. Um, I know a lot of a lot of people came out of that interview going, "Yeah, we really want to see Nick Diaz fight Jorge Masvidal." What's the matter with you people? I mean, do you hate Nick Diaz that much? Nick Diaz does not look like he's in fighting shape. All of his recent social activities do not appear that he has been keeping himself in fighting shape. And let me be clear. Okay, man, if you want to go party, no judgment. But there's a reason most fighters don't engage in that on that kind of consistent level or a consistent basis. Uh, and look, man, Nick just, I know some people were saying he sounded drunk and let me be clear. Drunk in this instance would be drunk for Nick Diaz. Who's always had a very idiosyncratic speech pattern, uh, quality to his voice. It's so on and so forth. 
this interview, what I saw of it... Sounding drunk would be an improvement for Diaz. Well, you'd think, but... (laughs) This interview did not inspire me with a tremendous desire to see him fight again. Um, Not at all. I... I do not necessarily get the reaction that people had to this to you to you know arm the to man a post and be part of the Diaz army again and yeah he's going to fight freaking Jorge Masvidal and look the best version of Nick Diaz last f- fight was 2015 we're coming right up on 5 years yeah, the Silva fight, right? So basically, you know, basically reducing that uh, 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 suspension was basically pointless. Um, so, whatever. Look, I think the best version of Nick Diaz against the current version of Jorge Masvidal is an incredibly compelling matchup. It, it makes no sense. But it, you know, we're so- not... We're not dealing with the best version of Nick Diaz. You won't get the best version of Nick Diaz if he fights. You're going to get the contemporary version of Nick Diaz. Uh, yeah, I'm. I am not at all interested in watching him fight again. Here's what he said: It's on. It's on you, folks. It's on you, Dana. It's on you, UFC. It's on them. It's in your hands now. Cowboy Stadium. So he wants to fight in Cowboy Stadium, I guess. That seems to be the what he his indicated preference. Um, I don't know. Again, the, there was a lot of hay that got made out of this interview. I mean, it's Nick Diaz. He has a cult of fans. It was his first like major interview in a while. Like I can see why it would get attention, but to me, you only make. If fans would actually root for a fight right now against him and Masvidal, his fans must really secretly hate Nick Diaz. That would not be good for his long-term health. Yeah, I mean, again, if you listen to this interview and then compare it with other interviews he's done, he sounds more disjointed than he has previously. Whether that's the long-term effects of brain trauma setting in, whether that's some kind of substance abuse... And maybe it was, and look, I'll be fair, maybe he was just having a weird day. Like, or it could be a combination of all those things. Who knows? Yeah. I have no desire to watch that man fight again after this. Just none. Uh, I, I've I, never really been a big Diaz Brothers fan, so. I can, I can appreciate elements of their style, and they've had some engaging fights, but. I've never gravitated towards either of them as from a fan perspective either. And yeah, Nick seems like there's a lot of elements about just his life that he, that he needs to get sorted out rather than, and I don't mean that negatively. Okay. We've all got things we can all work on it all, all the time. Fighting is probably better for his long-term health anyway. Yeah. I mean, fighting is actively detrimental to your long-term health. Right. So, I mean, I think it's probably for the best that he hasn't fought in so many years and him not getting into a fight again. So, there you go. Yeah. All right. uh, Moving on. A couple of fights have been announced for the UFC event. I think it's the first one they've got on the schedule for 2020 right now. Their event in, uh, I think it's Raleigh, North Carolina. That event now has a main event and a much better co-main event. I, I believe it's the co-main event. Your main event, as currently listed, is a heavyweight fight between Junior Dos Santos and Curtis Blades. Not a bad fight. I don't want that... Guys. I don't want that to be the main event for a very specific reason. Also announced this yeah, week... that matchup or why? Because also announced for that same card this week, the bantamweight debut of Frankie Edgar versus Corey Sandhagen, which seems like a fight that it was made for five rounds. I don't know. I think Frankie, at, uh, I like that fight being three rounds. Frankie's first time at bantamweight, his age, I think it's better it's three rounds. 
I almost guarantee by the end of that fight, after it, if it goes three, we're going to go, man, I wish we had two more. By it's, contrast, by direct contrast, if I'm JDS fa- and Blades... Here's my point, though. At Frankie's age, trying out a new weight class the first time in his career, um, with what he's put his body through, over the last ten years, I'm glad it's three rounds. I'm glad he's training for three rounds. I mean, if it were a short, if this were some kind of short notice thing, I'd agree. But there's more than enough time for him to get properly prepared. Frankie's 38 now, Robert, and he's only I now, know. and he's only now trying making a go at Bantam. And it's not going to get any easier if he beats Sandhagen. Yeah, so I would rather him trying it out for the first time now at this stage in his life. I'd rather be at three rounds now. I, I want that fight to be five rounds. I, I just I just do. And I in no small part because if Curtis Blades and JDS go out of the third round, we're gonna be wishing it ended sooner. Honestly, I like Sandhagen for this fight. It's a tough one. I'm I'm kind of with you as far as leaning that way, but Sandhagen's takedown defense has not been demonstrated to be all that good just yet. And some of that might have been a function of the people he was fighting rather than fighting someone like Frankie, who you really don't want to be under. Sandhagen's so, looked great so far. He's coming off a big win, so it's a big fight for for both guys. Is this fight going to be ESPN Plus or ESPN? Do we know yet? It is not yet announced. Okay. Um, Two good fights, though. Two relevant fights. I like it. Yeah, I like both of those fights. Again, I just I'd rather heavyweight fights didn't go long, especially when they involve yeah. not the top three of the division. Blades is not like, I mean, he, he's not a, he's not a cardio machine like Stipe, but he has decent cardio. He's been all right over three round fights. Right, and Junior has too. Now Junior's gone five before and been okay th- through all five. Right. I just, eh, that fight does not strike me as something that's going to get better as time goes on. But, I mean, you have two top heavyweights there. I can kind of see the logic. Um, I mean, Junior's a former champion, and and Junior's a bigger name than Frankie is. That's just kind of the reality of it. Curtis Blades is a bigger name than Sanhagen at this point. I'm not sure that's true, but it might be. Uh, Okay, other news... Uh, right. is, is no longer a UFC fighter. I can't really take issue with this. He's gone uh, on an 0 5 stretch. When was his last UFC win, anyway? He beat Diego Sanchez. And that was in 2013, correct? Uh, I believe so. Because, yeah, it, part of that was in there. He had a, he had a suspension. Um, for testing positive for metabolite testosterone metabolites, though it's USADA, so make of that what you will. Um, he didn't contest it. He did not, but neither whatever, did, uh, for whatever value you want to give that. Neither did Leota Machida, who you think was innocent. Edson Barboza. Not, hang on, I didn't. Th- I don't think Machida's innocent. I think Machida got railroaded by a somewhat fraudulent system, given the material, given okay, the substance maybe, he. Maybe Melendez got railroaded. No, what? I do not believe Melendez got railroaded. I don't okay. know that. I don't know that he for sure that he okay. was you know said, actively you said, cheating, but said Melendez didn't argue his suspension. Neither did Machida. Machida voluntarily self-referred for a substance that should not be on the banned list to begin with. He did not dispute. He did not dispute the ruling. No. He accepted. He accepted the punishment, and he did not dispute it. No, he probably should have, but he didn't. Okay. Um, his last three losses were all decisions: Edson Barboza, Stevens, uh, Arnold Allen. Uh, he got. He's just got. He's been worked in all of those fights. Yeah. He's not an elite level fighter anymore. He was fighting at featherweight, and I mean, look, for for a time, unde, I mean, undeniably, he was one of the best lightweights uh, in the world. Um, 
You know, you there's well, a very cogent argument that he beat Benson, that he should have won the decision against Benson Henderson and been right, the lightweight champion. Right. But it was a close fight, and he slowed down after the first couple rounds. Um, I feel like he checked out after he re-upped. He kind of mentally checked out. If it wasn't when he re-upped, it was certainly after he lost to Anthony Pettis. Some combination of those two events, and he just wasn't really there he, anymore. He was un. I mean, that Eddie Alvarez fight, that was a big fight. A lot of people wanted to see that fight. Um, that was a fight we wanted to see when, like, both guys were champions in Strikeforce and Bellator. Mm-hmm. Um, Happen was a very une- uneventful, kind of underwhelming fight. And then he just kind of went into a slow and steady decline and never, his career never recovered in many ways. Between time off, some injuries, the drug test issues. Yeah. He just never got back on track. Um, Now we can argue the effects and benefits of steroids. Do you think, do you think if he was using steroids, they gave him some sort of mental benefit? I can't speak to the placebo effect as far as that goes. I don't know. That's something that will affect every person differently. Um, another I, guy, it, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, Hannon Burrell, who also lost last night. I think in the case of Melendez, it was a lot more accumulation of wear and tear. And I mean, you, know, you and I both remember the his three fights with Josh Thompson in Strikeforce, which were you know, kind of wars. He was slowing down a little bit in strike force toward the end. Yeah, I, I don't think, again, when you track Melendez's career decline, it makes sense given, again, accumulated damage, level of opposition. And again, some of those fights that he lost, it's more an issue that he just didn't look great. So the game might have passed him by in some respects. There's, I think there's a lot more of that that kind of goes into Melendez's downturn, whereas Barrow just lost one fight and went off a cliff. Do you think Melendez continues fighting? Hmm. You know, you could do the rematch between him and Benson Henderson and Bellator. Or rematch with Eddie Alvarez and 1FC. I don't know. Um, he's got... I, I don't know. I believe he still has the uh, kind of the ESPN gig. He does some of their uh, he does some of the analytical shows. Right. I don't know if that's contingent on him not fighting elsewhere. I don't know if you know what kind of relationship that might have. I don't know whether or not he even really wants to continue fighting. As far as that goes, that kind of remains to be seen. Well, um, he he. Didn't ha- I mean he did okay? He didn't. He wasn't able to become a UFC champion. He fought for the UFC title twice, came up short both times. You know, was a was a top ranked lightweight fighter, was a strike force champion. You know, he. Uh, I mean, he got to do quite a bit, all things considered. Um, Not saying the guys, you know, the Strike Force champions were bad fight. They were good fighters, and I mean, look at Luke Rockhold. But you never know when, like, someone's just going to hit a sudden decline. Because Hannon Burrell, look, I, I cannot, I cannot explain what happened to Hannon Burrell, but he was not the same fighter ever since that fight with T.J. Dillashaw five years ago. And I think you would agree. I think the bigger problem is that in a lot of respects, he is the same fighter and the sport has just evolved beyond him. I can't agree with that because before that fight, he looked, you know, he, he had an aura that was reminiscent to me of like Anderson Silva and he had a, like he had a defensive technique where you couldn't get inside with him. You couldn't take him down and and guys just weren't, able to figure him out. And to me, something was different after that fight with Dillashaw. He didn't look as confident, and he didn't look as terrifying. That's what I think. 
I'm sure he lost something mentally over the course of that. I, I also think he's a fighter who hasn't evolved his game in six years. Sure, and sure. that's kind of a death knell in the sport. Maybe. Um, I'm not saying I want Hen and Barrow to get cut, but I mean, like, how can you argue with these results? It's, he just does not look good. Fighting him in the UFC at this point is not doing him any favors. Um. I would, if he were to get cut next, I would not argue against Burrell getting cut either. And I can't, I can't argue against Gilbert Melendez getting cut either. No, like these are guys that had good runs for, to varying degrees of success. Some of them for, both of them for quite long periods of time. But I, mean, I would argue that getting, you know, going 0-5, that's very lean in the UFC. Very lean. Yeah, I, you should be gone at that point. You just should. Like there's, there's no, that is demonstrable evidence that you are not a full on UFC caliber fighter anymore. And in the case of Barrow, it's also not like he's been, he's gone 0 and 5 against the top of the heap. Like he lost to Andre Ewell very recently. Right. I mean, sure. Silva de Andrade is, uh, is a tank. And a really tough out, but, but not in a not a top level guy. He's four and three, and this was his fourth. He was three and three going into that fight last night. Yeah, so again, you're not losing to the elite of the division. Like you, you lose five fights in a row against top ten guys. Okay, like that's bound to happen. You start losing to guys making their debuts. Yeah. Then we got a problem, and that's where Barrow is right now. Um, Habib uh, Nurmagomedov said at uh, the UFC Moscow Q&A that he's in talks to fight Tony Ferguson. Please, please let this fight happen. Please, I really want this fight to happen this time. It needs to happen, Robert. I don't disagree with you. I, I That's been... In my estimation, the best fight you can make in the sport for the last like four years. I want to see that fight. Okay, and I anyone think, that says otherwise is lying to you or profoundly ignorant. And I think you also wanted to discuss Miocic was on Ariel Hawani's ESPN. Oh yeah. So said he wants to fight Tyson Fury. Well, said let's see, he's interested in a fighter boxing match with Tyson Fury. Um. Fury yeah. said statement to MMA fighting. Stipe says he wants to box me. That would be a good fight for sure. In um, other news, Tyson Fury likes free money. Well, of course. I mean, who doesn't like free money, Robert? Uh, <laughs> but um, in this case, let me be very clear. When I say free money, Fury would box circles around Stipe in a boxing ring. Right. I, I am beyond sick of this... MMA fighter versus boxer rigmarole. Connor won four rounds against Floyd. Eh, I gave him two. He won two rounds against one of the greatest boxers of all time. A near 50-year-old, past his prime, Floyd Mayweather. Since when is Floyd near 50 years old? He's 40-something. He's 42, okay? Okay, he was 40 when they fought. Okay, Almost. so that's not... 40 is not near 50 in this century, pal. Okay, not near 50, but near, over uh, 40. Over well, 40. well past his prime. Okay. Hadn't fought in how many years? For Floyd? Yeah, that's, how many years between his previous fight and the McGregor fight? Less than two. That's still a lot in boxing. All right. Um... Look, there was a one-off novelty. Here's the reality. If anybody in MMA could consistently box at the elite level, that's what they'd do. There's so much more money to be made. So much more money. But it's hard to be an elite-level boxer. Yeah, that's why it's that's why you can command so much money. Look, I the same week, like Mosfidal said he wanted to box Canelo. Like, okay, I get it. 
Masvidal's fight at UFC two for Masvidal's fight at UFC two forty four. He made five hundred thousand dollars. It's a lot of money to, to basically. Make. I believe like any high level MMA fighter fighting like a high level boxer. But that MMA fighter, I I feel it would be a. It would not be good for for the MMA fighter. You get into a boxing ring with a boxing specialist, you're probably going to lose. And again, my point. Sorry, my point there was. Masvidal made $500,000 for the biggest fight of his career on one of the biggest stages of the year, if not the biggest. And that same night, in a fight that had to be delayed 90 minutes so as not to compete with his, Canelo Alvarez made like $35 million. If anybody in MMA could consistently box at the elite level they wouldn't be fighting in MMA. They would be boxing and making a lot more money. That's the reality of it. There's no reason not to. Miocic says he wants to box Tyson Fury because he might be able to negotiate a fat paycheck. Maybe he wants to challenge himself athletically. I mean, okay, you can get in the ring with the guy. You can look like an idiot. And sure, you'll make a lot of money. But there's almost like there's almost no chance for Stipe to beat Tyson Fury in a boxing match. Uh, Masvidal against Canelo in a boxing match. I've been very critical of Canelo in a lot of ways, but and I like Jorge, all things considered. But if they get into a boxing ring together, buddy, Canelo's been boxing almost his entire life at a very, very high level. And... <laughs> You know, you, you've been fighting in mixed martial arts, and they're different sports. And does the pay discrepancy at the elite level suck? Yeah, you want to do something about it, you know what you have to do. Uh, Rose Nami Junis was on Ariel Hawani's show. She says she still wants to fight again, so hopefully we'll see her in a good fight again soon. I like uh, that. So I'm glad she'll continue fighting. I hope she's doing well. I am utterly ambivalent to her fighting again at this point in time. I hope she is in a good place personally, more than anything else. If she comes back and fights, fair enough. If she doesn't, in a good place to fight, I say let her fight. Now, again, if she wants to, go for it. But if she never, but I'm also not losing out on anything if she decides to walk away. I like watching her fight, so I think I would be. Look, that's an individual thing. There's plenty of fighters that I feel I would be missing out on if they walked away that you might have no opinion on whatsoever. I think you're upset because she knocked out uh, Ioana. I just don't find her all that interesting a fighter. I think you're you're still you still have an axe to grind there. I Um, most certainly do not. (laughs) So you say. So you say. Uh, McGregor's manager, Auditor. Um, tells ESPN mm, McGregor fight announcement in the coming weeks. So whoever uh, bull. <laughs> Look, if you have an announcement, make an announcement. Until then, shut up. I'm uh, Connor's just trying to milk the like, news cycle. It's kind of like when wrestling promotions are like, we have a big surprise coming up. You know, don't tell us there's a surprise coming. Just tell us when you're ready. Just tell us what it is. Don't tell us. Or, or you know what? I'll even do you one. I'll I'll give you one degree of separation. Okay. I'll give you one. If you come out and say, "Hey, here's a pre- here's a date. Here's a press conference. We're announcing Connor's opponent and date and return date on this date. Show up and pay attention to that." This vagary about, yeah, we're negotiating something, and in the next few weeks it's imminent. Shut up. Give me a specific date. You're going to announce something specific or shut up. Okay. His manager also vehemently denies any allegation of sexual misconduct or any wrongdoing uh, from his manager to ESPN. So, uh, of course he does. Well, yes. Well, well, look, if he if he is innocent, of course he's going to deny it because he's innocent. If he did it, he's going to deny it because he did it. Well, there's not too many people who come out and say, yeah, I did it. That's, uh, a statistically, really that. that's a statistically insignificant number of people out, who, who make that claim outside of the confines of the legal system. 
Uh, I think that's about it, unless you have any other burning news we should get to. Um, let's refresh Twitter, see if anything crazy happened. Fury uh, is open to the fight with Stipe, though, so there's that. Again, Fury would get his $10 million paycheck to fight a guy who is vastly unqualified to be in the ring with him. I mean, I, mean, I would do that, too. For that drubbing, Miocic would deserve a, you know, a pot of gold, would he not? He'd get whatever he could get. Get embarrassed. <laughs> no, no, no. I, and I mean that specifically. Look, uh, he'd get whatever he could get for it. And right. whatever chunk, because the UFC is going to take a giant chunk of it. He's side. He should get it. He should get, oh, he should get a worthy chunk. And you can argue that. You can also argue that he is the significantly less visible side of that equation. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not seeing too much other news-wise, unless you have something you want to interject with. Nah, I th- again, nothing crazy looks like it broke over the last 30 minutes or so. Yeah. So let's, yeah, let's, let us go ahead and get into plugs. Okay, so my latest uh, movie reviews are for the Charlie's Angels remake. Okay. I mean, whatever. It was... If I you had fun, I'm glad you did. I didn't need this movie. Like, I thought it was passable. You know, like, I hated the McTeen. Like, I always hated the McTeen movies just because they were, like, ridiculous to me. And you know, the, the first one per- was a personal guilty pleasure for okay, a while. Sure, sure, the second sure. one is abject trash. I, I think both are abject tra- This was like, okay, I can accept watching this as, like, an amusement over the weekend. Ford versus Ferrari, uh, fantastic movie. Is it one of the year's best? I mean, it was it was a great movie. James Mangold is a really talented filmmaker. Uh, great performance by Christian Bale. Really, you know, not, I would say, one of the best of his careers, but a solid performance by Matt Damon. Good, good movie. It looked good. The racing scenes were shot. Well, I recommend this film. Uh, I referenced it at the beginning of the show, but uh, my next review will be Frozen 2. So be on the lookout for that. I hope you. I wish you good luck in going through that movie. I saw it yesterday and I had a great time. Uh, all right, let me see. As for myself, last Tuesday, Mark Radlich and I got together to review Doctor Sleep, which I had a lot of fun with, apart from the ending, for a variety of reasons. Uh, you can listen to the our review of that over at Damn You Hollywood, where I also make fun of Mark for being a giant weenie about horror movies again. And I will continue to do so. Uh, this week on Damn You Hollywood, Mark and I will be reviewing Ford v. Ferrari, which I have not seen yet, but will be seeing before I review it. And uh, somewhat looking forward to that discussion, if nothing else. Let's see, again, we will be off for the traditional show next week. However... I'm going to try something. uh, I don't know what I'm going to call it, which is kind of a problem, but there was a somewhat interesting question I observed relative to an upcoming, somewhat relative to an upcoming fight. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think it was uh, someone asked, I think it was Luke Thomas who said he wasn't quite sure how Alexander Volkanovsky beat Jose Aldo. Which is just to say uh, there's a lot of tape study that needed to be done. What strategic decisions were made? What mechanisms did he use? Not how in the world did this happen? And I think it's a fair question. So I'm going to take a stab at it next. uh, The audio will be released next week. I don't know when I'm going to record it at some point. B. Jose Aldo, who didn't understand that fight? Well, no, no, it's, again, it's a question of mechanisms, which specific tr- strategic decisions are made, which... Oh, wait, so you're saying there wasn't someone who didn't understand why he won? No, 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 it, yeah, it's not an issue of, wait, how did that happen? It's more of, okay, what did he do oh, okay. that caused him to win? Okay, well, that sounds fascinating. So, I'm again, I'm going to take a stab at that, and I will. Re- it will only be audio, I do not yet have the ability to put video behind some of this stuff so you're gonna have to just 
be stuck kind of listening to me, and hopefully I don't sound like a complete jackass. But I, I've done some tape study on Volkanovsky. On I've, obviously, I've done historically a fair bit on Aldo, and I've looked at their fight, and I think I've got a few. I think I've got a few things that might potentially be relevant to that discussion. How it pertains to the Max Holloway fight, I'll try to tie some of that together, but it's a, it was a somewhat interesting question that I heard, and I figured, all right, you know what, I'll, I'll take a stab at it. Let me see what I can do. So next, that should be released again next Sunday at some point, and I will, I'm going to try working from a script. <laughs> so I will write out at least bullet points, and we'll See how that goes. You guys might think it's a giant waste of time, in which case it will be a one and done. If you like it, then I might try to do something like that a bit more often. We'll just have to kind of see how that goes. But that's it for me. There is no UFC event this Saturday or next Saturday for that matter. There's none the 23rd or the 30th. We will be back on the 1st of December to preview UFC on ESPN 7. This is their return to Washington, D.C., Main event was originally going to be Alistair Overeem and Walt Harris. Walt Harris obviously had to pull out of that fight after his stepdaughter went missing. Uh, Stepping in is Jarzino Rosenstreich, who is suddenly poised for an enormous 2019 if he wins that fight. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks for that. Stay tuned for the technical breakdown. Again, I don't know what I'm going to call it. I'll come up with something. Even if it's just a ground and pound extra uh, on whatever. Uh, Until then, thank you all again very much. We'll see you at a minimum in a couple of weeks. Until then, stay safe out there. And please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.